Welcome to the first ever episode of Stuffed and Busted, a new podcast from All Y'all Media. I'm Chris J. And I'm Sarah Abear. Chris and I decided to create Stuffed and Busted as a place to feature the voices of folks we met in kitchens, restaurants, farms, and markets. We'll mostly be exploring our hometown of Shreveport and Bossier City, but we're excited about documenting our travels around Louisiana and the South as well. The topic of our first episode is the all-you-can-eat buffet. Sarah and I both grew up in rural communities. Eating at restaurants with our families, which was a rare treat, often meant eating at a place like Golden Corral, Poncho's Mexican Buffet, or Chang's Garden. These places may not be sexy and they may not be trendy, but buffets are where we grew into our taste buds. Buffets are where we learned that we were adventurous eaters. During this episode, we'll learn the proper way to eat at a Chinese buffet with Chef David Bridges, eat at Golden Corral with our friend Alex Gold, a.k.a. Corralix Gold, get it? And Chris will reminisce about Poncho's Mexican Buffet with our magnificent weirdo friend and photographer, Michael Zuniga. The first person that we interviewed for this episode, though, is actually my dad, Donnie J., a retired welder from Sarepta, Louisiana. My dad has this bizarrely intimate relationship with one buffet experience in particular, which is the all-you-can-eat crab claw night at Diamond Jack's Casino in Bossier City. We'll let Mr. Donnie tell you why. So, so this... So Stuffed and Busted, which is this thing I'm doing right now, is a show about the food that people love. Yeah. And I'm talking to my dad, Donnie J, Sarepta, Louisiana, about what? what he loves more than anything, I think, which is crab legs. Yeah. At, at casino buffets, mostly. Yeah. Because it's all you can eat. Yeah. Yep. You don't go into a restaurant that'll sell just a bundle or two of crab Oh, uh-uh, no, that ain't worth fooling with. You got to get all you can eat. So where do you like Where do you like to go the most? Diamond Jack. Bozier. Is it or It's in Bozier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So walk me through this as far as what do you, when you sit down, you go straight for the crab legs or do you mess around with some other things on the no, buffet? No, just crab legs. So plate you, full of crab legs, all you can get on your plate. So we're talking snow crab legs, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So you, are they, they're not cracked. You just grab a bunch of bundles. Yeah. You probably need some melted butter. Or... Oh yeah. Melted butter. You got to have melted butter. So you're just going to, you're just going to sit there cracking them, dipping them, eating them. Right. Right. And hope they come out good. Cause when you break them, if they're spongy, when you break them and they, they don't come out good, that's not good. You know, it makes them harder to eat. Do you have any idea how many bundles of crab legs, or just any idea of the quantity of crab legs you eat on a visit? No. I can put at least four to five clusters on a plate at a time, and I know I can eat five plates. So that's 20, <laughs> 25 clusters. So theoretically, we're talking about 25 or 30 pounds of Alaska. Oh, I don't know how much one would weigh. I bet a cluster's a pound. I think it's like two. Two clusters to a pound? So maybe still. Two or three. It depends on the size of them. We're in the ballpark of <laughs> 13 or 14 pounds of crab legs. Yeah, but you don't get that much out of them, you know. You just get that little piece. I mean, they weigh them as a whole crab leg, but when you get the meat out, you're just getting a little fraction of what they weigh. You know, maybe an ounce or two. Does anybody ever give you? <laughs> Does anybody ever give you any hell over this, or do they see you coming and like no. start? No. No, they don't care. Do you ever? When see you... that? Now that's another good thing about Diamond Jacks over. Uh, mm, what's that other one's name? Oh, uh, uh, Margaritaville. 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 They got people that put them on your plate. But at Diamond Jacks, you get to load your own plate. So you don't nobody ever even know you. you going back 15 times or whatever, you know. <laughs> it don't matter there. Can I ask you, uh, how long does this process usually take? Oh, I don't know. We usually sit there an hour and a half or so. Or... 
Does mom finish eating like way before you? Oh, not really. No. Mom eats slower now. Yeah, she eats slower, but she. I yeah. can just see it getting real, like, real old, real quick for her. If she she has a couple plates of food, and then you're still go, you're on plate number, you know, number six or it seven. It don't take long to knock out a plate of them things. Plus, I have to try other things like sushi and frog legs and roast turkey and stuff that he won't eat. He won't try nothing different. Well, actually, the best part of the crab is the claw. But the claw, it just, you got to have them old crackers. It's hard to fool with. I wish that wasn't even on there. Just, you know, that popping, that big, long part like that. That's what you want. All right. Well... Thanks for talking to me about it. Before you end the interview, I just want to point out the entire time you've been doing this is that Milton has been walking around with a squirrel head. <laughs> rolling around on the squirrel head. Just to and clarify. Barking at us. <laughs> telling us he has a squirrel head. Just to clarify, that's the severed head of a common tree squirrel. <laughs> Look at it. It's, folks, it's the whole head. We are standing just a few feet. <laughs> From from a crime scene. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Milton found the rest of the body. <laughs> All right. I can completely see why my dad loves all-you-can-eat crab claw night at Diamond Jack's Casino in Bossier City. I mean, for someone without a whole lot of money to spend, that kind of experience must seem really extravagant and heady and crazy. It must feel like you're getting away with something to eat like 20 clusters of snow crab legs. (laughs) But for the life of me, I can't see the appeal of comfort food buffets. Like, who on earth wants to eat endless plates of pot roast and macaroni and cheese? We invited our friend Alex Gold to help answer that question. Alex is my coworker. He is a critically acclaimed video game designer and one of the greatest karaoke singers I've ever met. Seriously, going to karaoke with Alex is a life-changing experience. We picked Alex up and headed to the Golden Corral on Uri Drive to take a good long look at the place and, you know, eat lunch. And here's how it went. All right, you ready? I'm going to do this. Hi, my name is Alex Gold. And I've never been to Golden Corral. <laughs> so we're actually recording this in the parking lot of the Golden Corral on Uri Drive. And we're just about to go in and Alex Gold is golden. about to eat his first <laughs> golden golden golden, cor- golden corral. <laughs> Now, you see, at first, when I asked Alex if he would go, he did not understand why I was asking him about... I think he just thought I wanted to take him to Golden Corral. I, mean, that... I wasn't complaining at the time. I was just very curious. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, that's that's an awfully strange place to want to go. But it all makes sense now. <laughs> I'm not sure if y'all caught that my last name is also partially, partially the name of this restaurant. This is your corral. This is my corral. I actually own this corral. It's crazy. All right, uh, so what do you expect to be actually on the buffet at Golden Corral? So I'm not really sure. As far from everything I know about it, it's like like home-style cooking, so to speak. I expect really soggy green beans, some dry mashed potatoes, some tough steak, uh, some, some like, fried chicken that's also, you know, kind of okay on the outside. Like, the skin is good, and you get to the, the inside, you're like, man, this is... This is like eating sandpaper. Um, looking forward to that. Probably going to be some macaroni and cheese with a little bit too much cornstarch in it. It's going to be, yeah, it's kind of going to be like eating macaroni and cheese pudding a little bit, but not really flavorful. Um, uh, finally, in the dessert aisle, there's probably going to be some stale cookies. Um, there's uh, Half of them are going to be raisin, but they're going to look like chocolate chip ahead of time. So they're going to be really disappointing. And uh, but yeah, uh, the bathrooms are going to be really gross. <laughs> They're going to be really gross. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to go to the bathroom. Oh, I, I plan on it. <laughs> I came here expecting it. How much is the buffet at Golden Corral? I'm going to say, so 
I used to live in Newfoundland before this, and buffet prices were pretty inflated over there, as was everything else, uh, because they had to import everything. Uh, in Shreveport, your typical buffet ran you anywhere from sixteen ninety nine to maybe twenty one ninety nine. That's on the high end, and uh, I'm going to estimate, like taking you know, non Canadian prices into account here, I'm going to say uh, eleven ninety nine plus tax twelve eighty six. And I did not calculate that correctly, but if I'm even close to that, I'm going to be very impressed with myself. So we're going to keep up with this. We think that we're going to be getting out of here for about $12.86 per person. Per person. Okay. Unless right. anyone orders a drink, and then it's going to be like fourteen ninety-four or something. <laughs> the church crowd is filing in, so we'd better go get in line for what I think will be a really terrific experience at the Golden Corral. The Golden Corral. Golden. With Alex Gold. Stuff that must be Okay. Oh man. I'm in so much pain right now. Me too. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm hurting. <laughs> all right, Alex. Biggest. Well, okay. Let's let's all name our favorite and least favorite item on the buffet. I can start. Um, I, I think probably the the biggest uh, surprise for me on the buffet. Honestly, I'm trying to think of what I really loved. I liked those um, fried shrimp that were kind of spicy, just a little bit. Um, I thought the dessert bar was like way better than it had to be. Sure. But for the most part, this was an incredible, um, uh, like just a, a, a full on blandness experience. Oh, you're about to say a spiritual experience, <laughs> like a spiritual awakening. That's what I was waiting for. It was like someone said, everyone, I want this to all taste as bland as possible. All right, Alex, best and worst on the buffet. So I like the sautéed mushrooms. Uh, I had a lot of those, as you may have noticed. Uh, I had one for dessert, even. Uh, so that th those tend to make it on to every plate. They were a consistent factor. The worst for me was there was this one type of shrimp that I'm pretty sure was like 90% breading, 2% shrimp, and don't ask what the other 8% was because I'm not sure. And I'll also say, though, I think the shrimp is tied for worst entry with the mac and cheese. Yes. yes. I Like, you look at the mac and cheese, you're like... You know, there's no way that this can't at least be edible, but they somehow proved you wrong. Sarah, you had a good experience with the rolls. Uh, yeah, yeah right. well, my best. It's probably a tie between the rolls and the sautéed mushrooms. I have to agree with Alex. That was a big surprise. You know what's crazy? But People were lining up for them. For the rolls? I'm, I'm, no, for the sautéed mushrooms. Yeah, I yeah. saw a bunch of little kids eating mushrooms. It was like the hot attraction. It was yeah. like the Chuck E. Cheese. I never would have guessed that. You could have put a gun to my head. I never would have guessed. <laughs> sautéed mushrooms would be the big draw at a, at a buffet like Golden Corral. Yeah. My Sorry. worst is definitely the chicken livers. Do not eat oh, the chicken livers. Oh, I wouldn't go near that. Sarah, it didn't even look right. Well, no, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be sick now, but I'm glad I'm glad I tried it because I do like chicken livers. So, you ate a gray chicken liver? That the breading was also kind of gray. And soggy. And soggy. And I was like, I can't believe she's going to do that. What's the thing that you, you saw that you least expected or you thought was weird or gross or out of place? Um, Probably the cranberry sauce in the pico de gallo section. Do you think it was cranberry sauce? I, it was some sort of red sauce that was probably sweet and a little tarty. We went back and forth. It could have been strawberry preserves. <laughs> yeah. It could have been cranberry sauce. I don't know. But it did not belong in the taco bar. Yeah, it was misplaced. Yeah. That's why no one was eating it. It was full. It yeah, was it full was to the brim. Full. Yeah. I would never eat the tuna that was in the salad oh, section. Oh, my God. Like, no. That's death. Alex, you don't look like you feel so <laughs> no, well right now. No, it's okay. Um, your, your car, you could probably clean up if I... <laughs> You know, yes. never mind. We're yes. not going to go there right now. You know where it's going. <laughs> the buffet is really a, a damn exercise in sadomasochism. It yeah. is. People are disgusting. They were really gross. Yeah, I have to say, I am baffled by high, how filthy the floor was. Did you guys look down at any point? I tried not to. I really I did didn't. look down, and it's it was a filthy, filthy mess. Yeah. But it, I don't blame the staff. No, no, definitely There's not. There's no way you can keep up. It was people just constantly. I, I watched a guy just basically dump out a platter of coconut shrimp or whatever and just look at it, acknowledge that he'd done it, and walk away. <laughs> I, I think the low point for me, as I mentioned earlier, was watching a child cough on his hand and then reach in and grab a shrimp with his hand. But then my personal low point is getting some of that shrimp afterwards. <laughs> but it does make you wonder, like, 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 about all the items, like, you know, you can't keep track of everything. Like, what yeah. I saw, I watched it happen. But what about the incidents that I didn't see? Right. Know? I'm sure every dish there has some sort of disgusting history from the moment those doors open. 
Like, what are we actually ingesting? Like, I'd be surprised if all three of us, like, walk away completely healthy, like, when we get back to work. We get to check you, it on Monday. I yeah. hate to say it. You are turning a little gray. Am I? Yeah, that Aww. makes sense. I'm, I'm worried. It's going gonna, gonna gonna to turn into gray corral after this. <laughs> well... Yeah, I think I'm done here. I need a nap. Let's yeah, all go take I'm a nap. Take a very long nap. Yeah, that's my goal. Let's head home and nap. Okay. I like Bye. separately. <laughs> I just want to point out that Alex guessed that we would pay twelve dollars and eighty-six cents a piece after tax for the Golden Corral Sunday lunch buffet. We ended up paying exactly $12.84 a piece. Good work, Alex. That's pretty. That's a pretty great guess. Not every buffet can offer both pizza and coconut shrimp, so eating at Golden Corral had us wondering what a buffet centered entirely around one cuisine had to offer. To better understand why we love, and we genuinely do love them, Chinese buffets, with their delicious noodles and fried sugary bread, we took chef and wine purveyor Dave Bridges to his favorite buffet in Shreveport, Sumo Supreme Buffet on Yuri Drive. Dave Bridges is known for a lot of things in the Shreveport Bossier food scene. He's the guy who originally opened Bella Fresca on Line Avenue. He created their insanely popular appetizer, the fried calamari with Thai dipping sauce, which mm, nom, nom, nom. yeah, nom. You, you see that now on menus all over town, not just at Bella Fresca, just saying. He occasionally cooks special dinners at Lucky Palace, and he has a dish named after himself, Dave's Prawns, on the Lucky Palace menu, which is kind of an amazing honor. We're pretty sure that Dave has put more thought into maximizing the experience of a Chinese buffet than anyone else alive. Here's how our trip to Sumo Supreme Buffet went with Chef Dave Bridges in tow. It all, like, me coming to the Chinese buffet all started, you know, when I had the restaurant, uh, when I had Bella Fresca, you know, I'd be working all day, you know, every day, and every now and you just need to get away. And it was, and I would go to the Chef Lee's down the street, uh, when it was open because it was the one place I knew for a fact I could go and I would never see anybody I knew. <laughs> and so I could sit there in peace and go back and forth and be all quirky and, and eat Chinese for a good hour and not have anybody bother me or tell me who's not showing up because somebody's baby is sick or whatever. <laughs> and then and then from there it just sort of grew into love. <laughs> One of the things that I find that makes me love buffets in general, but Chinese buffets specifically, and I'm not a cheap person, I wouldn't call myself cheap, but there's something crazy that in the world we live in, you know, you can order one dish off the menu a la carte and it's $8.95, okay, maybe general sauce chicken with white rice. But for eleven ninety five, you can have literally unlimited access to the entire menu. Yeah, there's just something about that that's like I went through the looking glass. This can't be possible that I'm able to eat all of these things for three dollars more than if I wanted to just eat one thing. Well, the, uh, the whole premise to you know to the French restaurants and the tasting menus was that after two or three bites, your palate was bored, and so. And that, that was why Thomas Keller does 20, you know, dishes in his meals is because he doesn't want your palate ever to be bored. And so if you buy something for eight ninety five, then it's just, you know, eat and repeat. And, and, and then you're bored. But at the buffet, you just get two bites of every single thing and you're never bored. There's a whole, there's a whole process to the event of coming to a Chinese buffet, you know. And I'll show you how I do it. It's, it's pretty expansive. But it's like, you know, it's a tasting menu. It's the cheapest tasting menu in town, really, in any town. There's a whole effort and specific pattern you have to go in for the buffet. And the first one involves us actually not getting any food, okay? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to start out with all the proper accoutrements on the table first. This is a good point. And the plates aren't big enough to put accoutrements and food. So you get the first trip is always for the sauces. So do we sit down in between these rounds? <laughs> yeah, 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 just to get the sauces ready. And then we'll get back up and we start off there. We start off with the cold items. Will be the, the, the first course of the multi-tasting menu. 
First off, Dave showed us how to make tong sauce, a creation that originated at Lucky Palace, one of our favorite places to eat Chinese food in Bossier City. Here's what's in it. Wow, so the tong sauce is soy sauce, uh, chili oil, uh -huh. and hot mustard. Yes. Sort of in equal parts. And, yeah, sort of. The mustard is a little, you go a little heavy on the mustard is the key. Stirring it up with a wonton. Yeah, you, you stir it with the wonton. Do, do you have a stirring technique that you recommend? <laughs> Hard and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, that's definitely the way it should taste. David, can I ask? Mm -hmm. Do you have any knowledge of, of spice, something like spicy mayo? It's just, it, it, they, there's a specific type of mayonnaise called quee pie. K-E-W-P-I-E. Uh, and, uh, and it's definitely a little bit sweeter than uh, our American mayonnaise is. And good God, in America we love sugar. And that's even sweeter than that. <laughs> and uh, it's just that and, and sriracha. And okay. they mix the two together. And that's what the drizzle you always see on the, on the sushi. You know, that, that's what yeah. that is. Yeah. And they also use it when they bake the mussels at the sushi bars where you get that little mussel that's baked in the shell. They put that on it also before they put it in their little toaster oven. The second course consisted of cold items. At Sumo Supreme, the cold offerings include everything from avocado slices with soy sauce and sesame seeds to a cold octopus salad, as well as lots and lots of sushi. So I've always been anti-sushi on a buffet, but this sushi looks really good. Well, for the most part, it's American sushi, so it's all cooked. It doesn't matter. <laughs> There's, I think... I think there's maybe two raw, you know, if, if there's 12 selections here, there's maybe two things that are raw. Would you, you know? eat those? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's no better slash no worse than buying it at Kroger, you know. The next course was soup. Dave educated us on one of our favorite items in any Chinese buffet, the sweet, sour wonderfulness that is hot and sour soup. You always got to make sure you stir because the, hot, the top will be cold and the, and the bottom will be hot. And then I never get, you know, you don't want to get a full cup because there's about another 20 things we're going to eat. Right. <laughs> and you, like for the hot and sour, you definitely want to load up with green onion and the wonton. Can you tell me what, as a chef, what is hot and sour soup? Well, they use chicken broth for everything. So hot and sour would be chicken broth with dehydrated tree ear mushrooms, uh, tofu, ginger, garlic, and then the sour part is actually rice vinegar. And so they add a little, just a little rice vinegar to, to taste. And then the same thing, a little, a little bit of soy is why it's a little darker, but, and probably MSG. <laughs> oh look, salt and pepper squig with jalapeno. That looks pretty good. Are those frog legs? That's what I was gonna say, they are. Wow. A little frog leg action. So what is your what's been your favorite thing so far, Sarah? Hmm. Actually, it's probably the bacon wrapped fake crab, and I <laughs> dipped it in the tong sauce, and yeah, it was the, delicious. Yeah. It was kind of like eating a buffalo wing of fake crab. Yeah, bacon and crab, yes. Smoky K crab. <laughs> By the time we hit the chicken course, the sixth course, we'd been eating for about ninety minutes. But Dave was still schooling us on how surprisingly sophisticated this food is. I find it amazing that you have the wherewithal to just get chicken. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, because I, I usually, like, I might get, like, some barbecue pork or something after this, you know. It's like we're, we're increasing the heaviness. You know, if we were to start with something heavier than this then the next thing we eat after that wouldn't have as big of an impact on our palate. So you have to build it, you know, just like you would a menu. You have to build it from lighter to heavier. What part of the chicken are we eating when we eat your average uh, buffet General Tso's chicken? The thigh. The breast is too dry. And so then the, the thigh is also the cheapest. And so as far as they're concerned, you know, it's, it's not only the cheapest, but uh, it holds the most moisture. And so... If, for them so it's always going to be the thigh you know picking it off of the drums and, and you can buy thighs you know boneless skinless or 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 even just or still put together without the drumstick and the drumstick has all the you know the sort of collagen in it and different ligaments and stuff that would take it's too hampering to pick off and, and the thigh is like a square 
so it's easier to cut like into to cubes for stir frying and you know they also there's a technique called the velveting technique where the the chinese will take egg whites and cornstarch and that is their their marinade sometimes i'll add a little soy to it but for the most part it's, it's just egg whites and cornstarch and they let that sit for a couple of hours and that's why like when you whenever you eat chicken in a chinese restaurant it, it's sort of like sliding on your your tongue when you bite into it that's the velveting technique and so they you know so they they have a technique to to make you know the juiciest <laughs> most flavorful fattiest part of the chicken even better <laughs> when you fry it typically i would have piled up one big plate yeah. and everything would have kind of melted into everything else uh-huh. it would have become this like indistinguishable pile of like quote unquote chinese food yeah yeah uh, and and i really like the way you do it a lot better well i think i think when you when you pile everything up on the plate first you tend to put too much of each individual thing on the plate and you can only eat so much so if if your goal is to get as many different tastes and fun out of it as possible then you can't eat too much of one thing, and and you'll wind up doing just that if, if you load the plate up. As we finished our meal, paid the tab, and added in bed to our fortunes, we all agreed that what Dave said was true. A Chinese buffet is the cheapest tasting menu in town, and if you approach it the right way, a meal at Sumo Supreme can teach you as much about cooking as a meal at, say, the French Laundry. Stuff that And now it's time to ask a dang farmer. On each and every episode of the Stuffed and Busted podcast, we'll be spending a few minutes with a local farmer because no farms, no food. And frankly, it's just fun to say ask a dang farmer. Our first farmer that we're asking a dang question or two could not be a more interesting dude. Newt Lynn of Lynn Family Plantation in Belcher, Louisiana, let me hop in his truck on a hot June afternoon and he and his dog, Pancho Villa, showed me around one of the most beautiful pieces of land I've honestly ever seen in my life. Among other things, Chris talked with Newt about truck farmers, a topic that we hope to dedicate a future episode of the podcast to. Here's what Newt had to say. All right, my name is Newt Lynn. Um, we are right between Gillum and Belcher, Louisiana. And uh, this is... Uh, family farm. It's been a family for several generations. My great-grandfather started it in 1914. We grow cotton, corn, soybeans, and now fresh market produce. So I'm also growing uh, watermelons and sweet potatoes, peas and butter beans, things like that. My acreage is such that I'm producing a little too much to be depending on the farmers market but I'm a little too small to work with uh, like grocery store distribution so I sell to the uh, truck farmers and peddlers that you see on the side of the road and that's 99% of the market that I go to that's amazing I've always wondered like I see a, you know my wife and I have like our favorite watermelon guy and I guess we have this mental image that, like, he got those watermelons out of his backyard, you know. And I'm sure in some cases maybe he does. But in other cases, they came from places like here. They probably came from here. <laughs> you know, getting to know these truck farmers has been fantastic because these are the people who are actually having your direct interface with the community. You know, and a lot of these guys, they aren't necessarily doing it for the money because they're not making a lot of money doing it. They're doing it because they're retired. They love to be out there in the community. It's the way that they keep up with what's going on with the community and their neighbors. And they get to have that interaction and dialogue. And it's all like food brings everybody together doing that. So it's kind of like my line to the, to the community. Hey, full disclosure, typically at this point in the podcast, we're going to be bringing you an interesting story from one of our advertisers, but unfortunately we don't have any advertisers yet since this is episode number one of Stuffed and Busted. 
Our advertising model for this podcast will be different from our other podcasts, all y'all, and you should look that podcast up. It's kind of awesome. Um, but if you are interested in advertising on Stuffed and Busted, we will work with your business to identify an interesting story about what makes your restaurant or your business interesting and relevant to our audience on Stuffed and Busted. So we'll basically turn that story into an ad spot. It's something that a lot of podcasts that we love, they do this, and we're really excited to give it a spin. If you're interested, I mean, advertising on Stuffed and Busted starts as affordable as $100. And I just need you to message me through the Stuffed and Busted Facebook page or call me at 318-272-1696. Again, that's 318-272-1696. So let's get back to buffets. After all this talk about buffets, I've developed a hypothesis. The food itself at buffets usually isn't all that great. But I think that Chris and I love buffets because they're fun and they indulge our appetites and our creativity. Obviously, we have both spent a lot of time connecting with our families and each other at buffets. They're very nostalgic for us. Um, They're really where I think we learn to be adventurous eaters. To test the idea that maybe it's our childhood memories that make us love buffets and not necessarily the food, we decided to sit down with our friend Michael Zuniga, who feels really strongly about the food at one kind of famous <laughs> Bossier City buffet. Michael Zuniga's love for Pancho's Mexican buffet makes my dad's passion for all-you-can-eat crab leg night at Diamond Jack's look like a casual passing interest. <laughs> So Michael and his son Louis stopped by for this interview on the same weekend that Chris and I adopted a new dog named WYSIWYG. Um, so please forgive the dog noises that you're going to hear in this interview. It was a tough weekend, and Wizzy was also apparently very excited we about ponchos. We couldn't put him outside because like, we didn't know how he was going to handle it. So uh, forgive the dog noises you're going to hear. I grew up in Spring Hill, so a special occasion meal. Like If we were going to go to a restaurant... We were going to go to a buffet because it was it was easy. Everybody could find something they could eat. But but in particular, we would drive all the way from Spring Hill to Bossier City, to the heart of Bossier Shopping Center, to eat at Poncho's Mexican Buffet. My dad loved it more than I've ever seen a grown man love any restaurant. You know, it was just ridiculous. I remember I was getting off of work, decided to pick up a Fiesta Party Pack. <laughs> The 20 tacos, the 10 flautas, the 10 taquitos, bags of chips, that weird cheese sauce, and uh, take it home. Great, easy, Friday night meal. Um, Just like you, we would go there, special occasions, family of six people. You couldn't beat it. And the food was really good. And when you asked me about doing this, I went and reread like the Yelp reviews. And they were so terrible. How can anyone eat dog food tacos? And, you know, I heard they use worms in their food. And I just, uh, that, that makes me sad. When you ran out of something, you raised the flag. Let's pretend I'm the waitress in the red shirt coming over. Your flag the is... The one with the beehive? Yes, I'm the lady with the beehive. And, and your flag is raised and I walk over. What are you going to say when I get there? Oh, uh, six more tacos. Six more tacos on one of those steam plates. Brilliant. That's all I needed. Towards the end of the meal, we would get flautas, and or not flautas, but the uh, sopapillas, and we would get honey, and then we would also get a bowl of cheese sauce because they were good with both. One of the things that has stuck with, with our family, with uh, my kids, when we have crunchy tacos, which we call poncho tacos at our house, um, when, when I was coming up and I was going with my family, they, they always had a container of honey on the table. And as kids, we would put that on everything. And one thing that has stuck through, you know, my family and now Steph and I and the kids is we have honey with our tacos now. And, and people will come over to have dinner and they will be shocked as all hell what's this for? It, well, it goes on your taco. Haven't you been to Poncho's? And when they don't understand that, they're dead to me. And I, I don't ever invite them over for dinner ever again. It was a whole different kind of thing. I didn't feel like I was going to Mexico City or anything, but damn, it was good. It did. They weren't trying to be authentic. There was not a radish to be found 
in ponchos. What the hell did ponchos mean to you? Just somewhere for my family to go. I looked it up today. I'm going to have to go to Arlington, Texas, probably, to find another ponchos. But I'm going to go. I'm going to make a little field trip. I would love to um, ride along. I mean, I have so many emotional attachments to that place. I just want to point out something. The only people I have ever met that love ponchos are men, white men around y'all's age, who I suspect may have daddy issues. You know, Michael's Hispanic. I'm Hispanic. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael. (laughs) Scratch it. I'm super racist. Evidently, but like it's it's weird it's weird to me that I feel like um, it is the food was terrible at Poncho's. I'm just gonna say it. Like I think you just died to Michael and if we we weren't married. Hey man, people have opinions. I mean, I got diarrhea every time I went to Poncho's. (laughs) Just I'm gonna put that out there. It's not a pleasant experience. Post Poncho's experiences. I mean, Poncho's really makes me ask the question. Does the memory of eating the food make the food taste better? Like the no. memories that you make at that table. I mean, to what I hear you guys talking, I think the tacos taste good because you guys got your whole family together around a table to eat some food, and that 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 makes food taste better. I mean, that's a that's a scientific thing, right? It, it does. But I would get off work sometimes because I work in Bozier, and before going home. I would stop up at Poncho's, eat by myself in a truck, quietly, and uh, enjoy myself just as much as if I was with, you know, my family. I will meet you halfway. <laughs> will you take me to the Arlington Ponchos? I would love to go to the Arlington Ponchos with you, but we'll go a step further and say that I, prob- I believe that my memories of Ponchos definitely are affected by it. The fact that it was a restaurant where my dad loved to go and we would sit for hours and we would eat endless platters of food. And we'd ride home farting <laughs> <laughs> together all the way to Spring Hill. Louie, do you remember Poncho the Fox? Yeah. Last couple of times we went to Poncho's. Got the Fiesta Party Pack coming home. Um, the, little, the little bridge at Cresswell and Marshall. In the woods, a fox would come barreling out of the woods. What? We would only see it when we went to Poncho's. It's a fact. We would see it. We would throw it a flauta. One time it was chasing a cat to eat it. Yeah, that's, it's the magic. It's Poncho's magic that made Poncho the fox come out of the woods and, and know that we were coming home with some flautas. And can I have one, please? Because I know Poncho's days are numbered. Stuff that must be So this segment of the Stuffed and Busted podcast is a little bit different from anything else you're going to hear in the show. This segment is actually just called Stuff It or Bust It. And Sarah and I are going to talk about things that we're either loving on in the local food and drink scene. Those are things we want to stuff. And then the things that maybe we're a little bit over, a little bit tired of. And those are the things we want to bust. Is that pretty much the long and short of it, Sarah? I think that's a good way to look at it. So what is your stuff it for this episode? Oh, my God. So at the risk of sounding like like a total um, like foodie, you know, that word <laughs> makes my skin crawl a little bit. I'm really, really um, in love with this place called Southern Pho on Benton Road in Bossier City. And in particular, they have the greatest bowl of bun bo wei I've ever eaten in my life. Um, it's a spicy vermicelli noodle soup that's just like really, really, really hot. Uh, it's got three different kinds of beef in it, including brisket and tendon and a meatball. And the brisket is just so soft and buttery. I don't know how they do it. And we've had we've had bumbo way at a couple different Vietnamese restaurants, right? So like, yeah. what is it about this bowl of bumbo way that you like? The or? noodles, I think, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, and people can let me know if they disagree. <laughs> I believe these are the highest quality. I think he's making fresh noodles in this place. The 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 thick noodles that they use in the bumbo way are not like vermicelli noodles. They're not like the noodles that you find in a lot of other Asian soups. Uh, they're they're big and hearty. Um, and I, I swear, I think they're made fresh at Southern Fa. I'm not sure, but they're just so tender and buttery and delicious. And the soup itself is hotter 
than hellfire. I mean, it is balls to the wall hot. And, you know, when we were there, everyone in the restaurant was ordering head-on boiled shrimp, which I I had such plate envy. I really regret not ordering that because, like, it was like plate after plate of boiled shrimp coming out. And I was like, why did I order pho? <laughs> they, and they, you know, there are only like two people who work there. Um, they were so slammed when we visited on Saturday recently that I ordered a boba tea. And she just said, look, I'm, I'm not going to make that for you. I hope you don't mind. Well, it's because she makes all the all the bubble tea comes from like stuff so like i had a coffee bubble tea she made coffee to serve that to me and chris tried to order a pineapple bubble tea and she was like i don't have time to cut the pineapple so stop and think about that for a minute if you've been drinking the powdery bubble tea which there's nothing wait there's nothing wrong with that yeah like i mean it's totally authentic it's not like it's some knockoff i mean powder bubble tea is legit but this stuff is on another level. When Sarah said she ordered a coffee boba tea and the lady went and made drip Vietnamese coffee, that's exactly what happened. Like, I couldn't believe she wasn't just squirting some sort of condensed syrup into it. I mean, this was, I mean, that was the yeah, best. It was good. It was one of the best boba teas I've ever had. But if you go to Southern Pho, get the Bun Bo Way. It is the, if you like spicy, if you don't like spicy, I maybe don't go to the restaurant at all. <laughs> I think that's a good call. <laughs> so that's my stuff for this week. What about what's you, what are you loving? Man, you know, we have been invited to so many like fancy schmancy chefy dinners recently. And, you know, like everything that comes out is blowing my mind. But like I had one experience out at St. Terre for a dinner that uh, Chef Holly Schreiber was doing with Chef Gabriel um, Balderas. And they collaborated on this green tomato and ginger sorbet that was unlike anything else I've ever eaten in my entire life. Yes. Frankly, like, I actually really don't like sorbet. So, like, if somebody's like, mm, here's some sherbet or here's some sorbet or whatever, like, I'm usually like, giving it the tasty face. But this was so savory and yummy and warm for something that was cold. It was probably unlike anything I've ever eaten. I totally agree. And it, 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 it woke me up to the beauty of those things that have like a, a, a slight heat, but they're frozen goods. Oh, you know what I mean? How like, do they do that? I know, I know, I know. Uh, ghost sickles used to have a popsicle that had jalapenos in it. And it was like, oh my God, I don't, I mean, that, that just like blew my mind. And I've had a chocolate ice cream that had Tabasco in it at one point and that was really good but this was like a whole different kind of heat i mean the heat came from the ginger in the sorbet and it just it was a surprise because the whole meal was really good you know a lot of stuff i kind of expected from uh chef holly and from chef gabriel i mean like it was stuff that they're known for like making these really yummy tortillas and these delicious pieces of pork and but to have that come out was just sort of really surprising. And it sounds so stuffy. I did not want my first stuffed item <laughs> to be some sort of hoity-toity like thing I ate. But I'm I'm really excited about that sorbet. Holly Schreiber and Gabriel Balderas are two of the most talented people I've ever met. And we are so lucky to have them in working in Shreveport and Bossier City. If you've, if you've got the opportunity to go to one of their dinners, go. And that's our neighbor's truck. Our neighbors drive a gigantic four by four. (laughs) What what the hell, Philip? Philip, can't you see we're making a podcast over here, man? So that brings us to things that are busted. These are things that we we're ready to say goodbye to. Mm -hmm. So what is busted in your universe? You know, I'm just going to say something. I think I'm probably I don't know if anyone's listening at all. (laughs) <laughs> they might get they might get angry, but I, I I think maybe I'm over cocktailing in Shreveport or Bossier City at all. Um, I've I like going to I travel a lot for work, and I'll go out and I'll go to places that are really well known for you know nice cocktail programs, and I'll have one sometimes two really really beautiful cocktails, and I don't mind paying thirteen dollars for you know a last word at the Cafe Adelaide in New Orleans because it's like you know it's one of the one of the drinks you're supposed to drink before you die. But in Shreveport especially, it seems like we're getting a lot more ten, twelve, thirteen dollar cocktails that are all sugary. There's not a whole lot of art to these things. I'm I'm really fed up with essentially alcoholic Kool-Aid being, you know, being dressed up a little bit. Well, 
yeah. give him get for thirteen dollars. If your drink has Sprite or Seven Up in it, it should not be more than ten dollars. If you put Sprite in a cocktail and you charge more than seven dollars for it, I, I mean, and I, I can't come back. It makes me so incensed because I feel like not only are you giving me something really like vulgar and and gross, <laughs> but you're charging me through the nose for it and expecting me not to notice. And you can call it whatever you want. You know, you can dress it up. You can set it on fire. You can smoke it. You can sink it under the water. And <laughs> I don't know what. Okay. You know. Okay. What do you think about drinks that are set on fire and enormous? I mean, the other day at Lucky Palace, we had a, uh, what is it called? It's like a punch volcano bowl. Volcano drink. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean. It was for like six people. Well, okay. So this is a great. Uh, thank you for asking. Tiki drinks are like a really beautiful tradition. Um, I personally, I'm not bragging, but I have spent some time at Latitude 29, which is arguably the best tiki bar in the world. I think you might be bragging because you didn't take your wife. It's in New Orleans. <laughs> and I mean, a lot, it's Beach Bomberry's Latitude 29. A lot of people think it is the best tiki bar in the world. In Shreveport and Bossier City, if you do luck out and find a tiki drink on the menu, like a Mai Tai or a zombie, it's probably going to come from a, a concentrate mix. And that's disgusting. And it should be $6. It shouldn't be $13. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be a butthead. But we do need to really... We're starting to get to a point where we have a cool food culture in this town. And I really want to see an evolution of the cocktail culture too. Because we can't just keep ordering... I I personally... I think I'm done going out and having cocktails until the cocktail culture kind of catches up a little bit. Because I can't pay thirteen dollars for you know essentially like a soda. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, the only thing I will pay more than ten dollars for is a legit Ramus Gin Fizz. There, yes. there have only been a handful of places that I've been able to watch that person make that drink. I do want to give a quick shout out. There's, uh, and I again, I hope I'm not offending anyone, but there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, uh, Nathaniel Loggins and the whole bar staff at Two Johns makes me feel like I'm in New Orleans. I mean, they take care of their customers. They they have... Well, it's not about feeling like you're in New Orleans. It's about feeling like you're taking care of. That's right. And, and that should have said it that way. But they, it feels different there. There's a level of craft that I'm, I'm not experiencing in other places where I'm being asked to pay similar prices. And I keep using this $13 figure because for me, that seems like the point where it's unacceptable for that drink that you that you've spend that much for to not be really fantastic. Yeah. Well, I've had a really great Ramus Jim Fizz at uh, Abbey Singers. and I've had one at Aura and I've had one at Two Johns. Right so, on. Like those are that's a cocktail I'm willing to pay for because it literally takes a level of skill to like get the egg white, to shake it up, to mix everything correctly. Like that, that's a crafted cocktail. Absolutely. And there are some exceptions. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that um, I do think in general, the cocktail game uh, in Shreveport and Bossier City does need a little bit of a stepping up. And I think we can do it. What about you? What's, what are you busting this week? Well, or I was... this week, <laughs> what are you busting on this episode? <laughs> Well, I was going to say $13 margaritas, but you beat me to the punch. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we should talk about these beforehand, huh? Um, but I'm I'm thinking I'm going to say really fatty, gross burgers, which I've been over for a while. And luckily, we have a couple of establishments here in town that appreciate the simplicity of a good lean burger. Like I do, like I, there's a time and a place for a burger that will run down my arms and I'll have to be licking them. And like, <laughs> it's, it, you know, that, that is a, that is del- a delicious thing, but like, I'm really trying to lose some weight. And so I really appreciate places that offer a good turkey burger that offer a good veggie burger or some sort of lean meat that I can get without a bun and like a salad or just on its own. So uh, where are like your go-tos for those things? Well, definitely Twisted Root. Like my go-to there is I get like a salad with like a turkey patty or sometimes buffalo. Very lean. Very lean. With like lots of um, those pickled onions that they have there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like the dressing options that they have there are really good. They don't taste like overly heavy. Um, where else have I gone for that? You know, their veggie burger. My stomach's growling because all this sounds so good. <laughs> their veggie burger is vegan, which I did not know until recently. Oh, wow. You know, Seven Dippity used to have the best oh, 
My God. Veggie burger. Highland Table, I've heard, has a really good one, but I haven't had it yet. I haven't had that yet. No. And I also really like the turkey burgers at uh, Abbey Singers. I know that we talked about them for cocktails, but I really love the turkey burger there. I feel like it's pretty legit. And frankly, I'm just going to toot my own horn, but my venison burgers that I've been making are oh, yeah. really yummy. <laughs> Those really are. So if if you ever get the opportunity to, to have any of my dad, Donnie J's hand killed deer meat, um, it makes great burgers. It does. It makes great everything. So, well, all right. Yeah. So that's the very first. Uh, that brings to a close the first uh, stuffing and busting of Stuffed and Busted. It, that was pretty stuffed and it wasn't busted. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Stuffed and Busted podcast. If you'd like to be the first to know about new episodes or just keep up with our very random thoughts on local food and drink, you can like Stuffed and Busted on Facebook. And the music that you've heard throughout this episode and at the beginning was created by our very dear friend, Nate Tremay. You can hear more of his music at natremay.com. Send him props. We are so thankful that Nate did this theme song for us. We are also seeking advertisers for this podcast. If you own or represent a business that would like to reach a growing audience of food-loving folks in North Louisiana, please give me a call. Chris J, I'm at 318-272-1696 or message the Stuffed and Busted page on Facebook. Our advertising programs are really affordable and we promise it's going to be the most fun you've ever had doing advertising for your business. Feel free to look up our other podcast, All Y'all, also available on your podcasting uh, app of choice. And we would really appreciate maybe if you listen to this episode multiple times or like several hundred times. Please just use a new plate for each visit, okay? Because <laughs> you can't, that's gross. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Stop it, boss.